Girlfriends, episode number 81, How to Support Your Husband in Tough Times. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week we're talking about end of summer anxiety, rat dogs, spike ball, the power of Jesus's name, and how to support your husband in tough times. Here we go, it's time to get started. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Thanks for being here. Thanks for showing up for another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm so happy to be here with you and connect with you once again. I hope you've had a good week. It's been a good week here. We finally had summer weather here in New Hampshire. And I know some of you down in Texas are so over this. I've been seeing screenshots of your weather forecast and it's 100 plus every day for weeks on end. But we haven't had that and we don't usually have that here. So I actually love it when it gets hot. Uh, as long as I don't have to be like doing yard work or something. But I love it. And I, I love the feeling of summer. And it's so fleeting here in this little corner of New England that, um, you know, I, I, I've really had a nice week and I've really tried our, to really enjoy it. And I think that's been on my son Daniel's mind too. He's 10. He's my littlest. And, um, you know, I'm recording this early in the morning and uh, I'm leaning hard on my coffee cup because uncharacteristically for him anymore, he got up in the middle of the night several times. And it's been a while since I had a kid who needed me in the middle of the night, you know, outside of illness or something. And he was just feeling anxious about the end of summer approaching, which is so cute and sweet. And so my husband, I know where this comes from. It doesn't come from me. And he was just stressing about, you know, I, I want to be sure we do all the things that we plan to do this summer. And, you know, lot a 10-year-old lying awake in the middle of the night worried about summer coming to an end, not just because, you know, he'll start school again or whatever. He's not dreading that so much. It really is he just loves summertime and he knows it's a special time and he he feels it slipping away. doesn't help that like all the Target ads and everything started with back to school sales, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, you know, I kind of feel that too sometimes. And maybe you experience this too, especially this time of year. I don't know when you and your family go back to school or start back with the fall routines, but here it's, it's in August. It's pretty late in August. But when I was a kid, we never started back to school in August. And I know some places start even earlier than that, um, mid-August or early August. So it really is back to school. It really is the end of the summer in some places. But we're still enjoying it here. It happens to be raining today. I'm recording this in my car and uh, it's raining all around. But I see Danny. He's up. He's up and at him early this morning collecting Japanese beetles to feed his toads. He's a proud um, pet owner of two toads that he caught this summer. And um, he's being very responsible about it. It's really cute. He asked to get a terrarium, which um, he spent his own money on. And we went and we got it. And he got it all set up inside with rocks and grass and dirt and water. And um, he waited, though, like a full month and a half, I want to say, before he tried to catch a toad to keep in there because he had researched this. Uh, he knew he needed a good um, steady food source if he was going to keep a toad for any length of time. And Japanese beetles happen to be a great food source. And they don't come out until, well, they started, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um, and so he just waited till the Japanese beetles were out before he caught and kept a toad, which is so cute. So he's got two toads right now. One is named Mookie 
after Mookie Betts on the Red Sox, I'm sure Mookie is honored. And Todd, Todd the Toad. So uh, it's cute, and I love seeing it because it's such a little boy thing, or a little kid thing, actually. You know, one of the people who's been coaching him through this entire process the most is my oldest daughter, Kadri, who's 22, and she kept a toad years ago. So uh, very cute to see him doing that, and I'm glad I still have a little guy who still does things with little animals outside. It's been such a part of what we do here in our little space and our, our little plot of land here in New Hampshire. Ever since we moved here, it's been about the kids being outdoors and experiencing the outdoors, especially during those months when they can catch frogs and toads and newts and um, snakes and all of those things. So it's been something that's really been an important part of my kids' childhoods. And I'm glad to see that it's still continuing. It's not over yet. And I hope we'll still be here by the time we have any grandchildren because uh, I'm going to want to see them do the same things. Speaking of grandchildren, a close friend of mine had her first grandchild, her well, actually, her daughter had her first grandchild uh, over the weekend, and I was so excited and happy for her. And I'd been praying, and I'm still praying, uh, a novena to St. Anne for a safe and happy, healthy delivery for, for that particular baby, among other intentions. And I'm so proud of myself. First of all, I'm thrilled for my friend. It's wonderful news and all went well. But I'm also really proud of myself because I might actually complete this novena. <laughs> I am the queen, and maybe you are too, of starting novenas and not finishing them. Somehow, in those nine days go by, and you don't even realize it before they're over, and you've <laughs> messed up again. You've skipped a day, and then you have that spiritual quandary of, do I continue it? Do I just pick up where I left off? Which is more often than not what I end up doing, but it feels wrong. It feels like you're cheating. It feels like you're, you know, you just, you messed it up, you know? Um, so I'm thrilled. I'm on day eight and I, I prayed day eight this morning of this St. Anne Novena. So I just might make it. And maybe I'm speaking too soon. I'll have to check back in with you next week, tell you if I actually did the full nine days. But what has helped me to do it is um, a website called Pray More Novenas. I think it's .com. Um, PrayMoreNovenas.com. You can sign up. They send you an email every morning to remind you to pray that prayer. You can sign up for certain novenas. They have one that's kind of seasonal that will end on the Saints Feast Day that they promote every time. But I think you can also just sign up individually. Like say you randomly want to do one to St. Joseph or something. I think you can do that and it will send you the email reminders. Anyway, check it out. I'll put the links in the show notes so you can check that out. All right, I promised to talk to you about a rat dog. That would be my dog, um, Mr. Potts, our Welsh Terrier, that was so shaggy. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Welsh Terriers, but they have sort of a thick kind of curly coat in places. um, And it's in in layers. They have like an undercoat and then an overcoat. Um, He was so shaggy in that horrible heat and... Um, long overdue for a trip to the groomers. So we brought him to the groomers to get him trimmed up. And wow, he got more than trimmed up. He got totally shaved (laughs) because, you know, the groomer lady was so nice and we've known her for a long time, but she said she just couldn't, his, his fur was so matted underneath. And she, she asked if he plays in the water a lot and he does, he spends a lot of time in our pond. Um, Gross, (laughs) but that's one of his favorite places. And uh, he, Apparently, his fur was so matted from, you know, the in and out of the pond and how thick it was. And it it even grew faster than she thought it would because we thought we had scheduled this appointment in time. Anyway, she couldn't even get the clippers through. And so she just completely, completely shaved. I mean, not bare skin, but almost (laughs) really short fur. I did not recognize him. He looked so weird. (laughs) 
I was like just kind of trusting her that I was bringing the right dog home that day. But uh, it's been hilarious. And you know what it made me remember is I felt like we had a foreign dog in our house for at least a couple of days. I'm used to it now and it's growing back some. Um, But it reminded me of when my kids were little. And it matters what they look like. And I don't mean like you need to have the most beautiful child on the planet to love them. But if you're having difficulty getting along with your child or dealing with your child's behavior, take a look at what they look like. And by that, I mean, do they have a clean shirt on? Does their face need to be wiped? Is their nose running? Do they need a haircut? Those kinds of things. I don't know about you, but for me, and I've talked to other girlfriends um, who've experienced the same thing. Those things matter in how you're going to feel about your child. You can greatly improve your mood and your response to your children by cleaning them up a little bit. I don't know. It's a psychological thing. And it wasn't like I didn't love Mr. Potts, but I felt weird about him. You know, it affects you and it affects you with your kids too. So anyway, I just thought I would mention that. Um, I also promised to talk about spike ball. Do you know what spike ball is? It's this cool game that I wasn't familiar with before this year when my son Ambrose, who went to Ave Maria last year, brought it home from school because uh, he had so much fun playing it there. It's sort of a game that's designed to play on the beach, but we play it in our field. Um, and you you hit a ball onto this kind of trampoline thing in the middle, and you have teams of two, and it, it's pretty simple to figure out. It's hard for me to explain here. I'm not going to bother trying. That would just bore you anyway. Um, but so we have this set up in our, in our field and I played one time, not my thing, but my boys, all five of them, plus Dan play every single day, every day for like, I don't know, over an hour. They are so into this game in a way that they've been into wiffle ball in previous summers. And I love that they're doing this. And so every evening is when they're all home from work and whatnot. And they'll just head out and start to play spike ball. They they make up different teams and they try to rotate the teams and hold these like competitions. And it does get pretty competitive out there. Uh, yeah, well, that's always going to be a part of the male psyche, I guess. And sometimes there are a little bit of hard feelings, but for the most part, they truly just enjoy it and they can't wait to get back out there the next day and do it some more. And I have loved just, I set up a blanket and I sit out there and sometimes some of the other uh, kids will will join me or one of the dogs will sit with me and just watching them play and something that I realized was that was like a nice kind of downtime for me um, in the evenings and I know they enjoyed it as sort of recreation in the evenings but as I was sitting there I was just concentrating on the fact that I feel so content inside of that moment just just watching my family, just watching my family grow. And I think that's something that maybe we moms need to slow down enough to do on a more regular basis. Slow down enough to appreciate the moment. You know, everybody's always talking about living in the moment. And sometimes that comes with its own set of stressors, like, oh, I'm not appreciating this moment enough, you know, and while you're you're freaking out about kids at the lake or the pool or whatever. Um, it, I wouldn't put that kind of pressure on yourself, but put a little pressure on yourself to make some time to just relax to just sit. Like when I do that, I don't have my phone with me. Occasionally I'll have a glass of wine at the time, but it's just like, it's just an opportunity for me to just sit and enjoy my family. Just enjoy the the fruits of my labor, for, you know, and however old your kids are, and I'm not saying I have arrived, but it, it does feel a little bit like oh, here's what, here's what I've been working on. You know, these human beings and this situation, these, these great young men who have this relationship with their dad and with each other. And it's very gratifying. And I would completely miss it if I were inside, you know, 
loading the dishwasher or whatever other thing could I could find to do at that time. And so I've really enjoyed that time. And I want to encourage you to find something like that that you can do as a regular part of your daily routine. Mine's not going to last forever, so I'll find a replacement for it, I hope, uh, at the end of this season when there's no more spike ball going on. But it's just been, it's been a nice opportunity to kind of just relax and kind of detach and not be on my phone or on my computer or feeling pressured to accomplish anything in particular. So that's been fun. Um, okay, I also wanted to mention, and that's why I put it in the intro, the power of Jesus's name, because this is something that I've recently been kind of um, experimenting with. I guess I don't know if that's the right word, but inside of my spiritual life, I know years ago, my mom used to say, and um, I've heard it other places too, you know, Jesus's name, saying Jesus's name out loud is a powerful thing. And my mom used to encourage us as kids to say his name out loud when you were tempted in a particular way. And it's not a practice that I've been in a whole lot. I know I've talked to my kids about it and told them, you know, that. And recently in the confessional, a priest reminded me of that, um, saying, when you're you're tempted, you know, in this particular situation that I was describing to him, he said, just say Jesus's name out loud. It, it's a powerful thing um, and it can drive away temptations and it can reaffirm you know, that you want to follow Jesus. And so I've been using that a little bit lately, um, especially... And you know, I mentioned hormones last week. Okay, hormone update. I'm a little more balanced. <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the show. I got some feedback from some people. Um, but anyway, uh, in moments where I'm feeling impatient or I'm tempted to be snippy or somebody is really getting on my nerves, whether it's a kid or my husband or, you know, anything, uh, something at work that where I'm tempted to respond badly um, saying Jesus's name out loud has been really helpful to me in this past week. And um, maybe it's even just psychological, but I believe it's spiritual um, as well, that just affirming, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I trust in your strength, not my strength to pull me through this situation to you know, choose the right thing here where I'm I'm tempted to do something wrong. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Maybe some of you can benefit from that. Maybe you've had an experience of, of using Jesus's name in a powerful way, um, but I, I found it really fruitful and I definitely wanted to mention that this week. All right, let's get to this week's topic, which is how to support your husband in tough times. Uh, my husband's not going through a tough time right now, so that's not what inspired this. But um, I was thinking about it recently when I was talking to a friend whose husband is exper- who recently experienced um, loss of his job, and he's really, you know, searching and not really finding anything right now in his field, thinking about going back to school, not sure what direction he should go in. And it just reminded me of times in our marriage that have been really hard and we're I've wanted to support my husband and maybe wasn't sure how, you know. Um, so I've just got some five different ideas for ways. And maybe you you don't have this going on in your life right now, but we all do at some point in our marriages have our husbands going through a tough time. Usually it's work-related when it's something that just our husband is going through, but it could be, you know, health or family problems or what, friendship problems or whatever. Um, so, you know, during those times, I just want to offer some ideas for ways that you can kind of encourage and support your husband to get him through a tough time, whatever particular tough time it is. Maybe it's just a bad day or, you know, maybe it's an ongoing situation. All right. The first one I want to mention is to hear him. And um, this means to be a good listener. I think sometimes because we love our husband so much, um, we do the thing that we say they do that drives us crazy, which is swoop in and try to fix everything or tell them what to do. 
that's really kind of offensive to the male psyche to tell him what to do, especially if his wife is telling him what to do. It's really, um, you know, emasculating for, for a man to experience that. And uh, I know this because I've done it to my poor husband, you know, and, and we're doing it because we care and we, we love him and we want to, we want things fixed ourselves. But just remember when you're going through a tough time, how valuable it is sometimes to just have somebody listen in a non-judgmental, in a non-action focused way to just listen to how you're feeling what or you know listen to you complain a little bit listen to you vent he might need to do that and this is hard because especially if his hard time is also your hard time in some way if it's you know a job related thing you're experiencing probably financial stress or anxiety of some kind it's hard to just listen, especially, you know, if he's being negative. And I don't mean you have to completely indulge his wanting to spiral downward into this pit of despair, but do listen, do allow him to vent his feelings, um, encourage him to, but also be respectful if he doesn't want to do that. This is the opposite problem that sometimes we do where we're wanting to listen He's not ready to share anything and we nag because it's driving us crazy. We know he's dealing with something and we we want to help him and we want to know what's going on because we love him and yet he's not ready to open up yet. And um, you're adding to his stress if you are nagging him to talk to you when he's not prepared to do that yet. So, um, and, you know, just some general ways to be a good listener. This is stuff that I realized um, a, a while ago in my own relationship with Dan was that it drove him crazy if he was trying to talk to me about something, whether it was just describing a conversation with somebody at work or telling me about an issue he's facing or, you know, something even mundane. He didn't feel listened to if I was doing something else while he was talking to me, whether it was changing the baby's diaper or sweeping the floor or, um, you know, sewing or whatever it is that we do to occupy ourselves, women, because, you know, we have to place value on our doing, doing, doing all the time. Uh, just sit and listen to him. Um, look him in the eyes when he's talking to you. Make sure he knows that you're listening and you're focused on him. Think about the times in your life where you've needed somebody to do that for you and how empowering and encouraging it was to just feel listened to. Be that gift for your husband during this tough time because there, you know, truly there's nobody in a better position than you to give him that gift of listening. So that's the first one. Just hear him out. All right. The second one that I want to mention, the second idea for helping your husband through a tough time is to feed him. This works in varying degrees, but... The uh, the idea that food is the, the way to a man's heart through his stomach is really based in reality, um, for sure. And you may not be a good cook, and that's okay. But, um, you know, we all crave comforts when we're going through a difficult time, and food can certainly be that. And, you know, paying attention to some particular food that he likes and either preparing it or getting it as takeout from his favorite restaurant, just feeding him something special, making him a treat, um, you know, just the basics like that can really be a source of comfort and, you know, physical, but also spiritual and emotional nourishment at a time where he's hungry for it, if he's going through something tough. Um, and like I said, you don't have to be a great cook to pull this off. You know what your husband enjoys for food. Um, and this is kind of a concrete way that you can express love and caring. You know, even if it's not about the food so much for him, the idea that you went out of your way to do something that you knew he would enjoy 
is really meaningful and valuable. Think about a time when he's done that for you or when someone else has done that for you, how meaningful that is and how encouraging and uplifting it is that, okay, I'm going through this hard thing, but here's this good relationship that I have in my life with somebody who truly cares about me, knows what I like and wants to give it to me. That's a beautiful thing. What a great opportunity you have to do that in your relationship. So that's the second idea that I had is feed him, give him something good that he likes or you know, a beer, you know, it doesn't have to be food. It could be something he likes to drink. Um, All right. The next way I want to mention is to pray. And of course, this is obvious, but sometimes we forget the obvious, right? Or we reject its value because, oh yeah, I can always pray. Or I can't, this is the worst. I can only pray, you know, (laughs) we're like completely negating the power of our prayer by saying, all we can do now is pray. Well, yeah, you can pray and pray for your husband. Let him know you're praying for him. Um, Let him know perhaps that you're offering things up for him. Not in some sanctimonious way, but just I think it's really encouraging. Like I've had um, tough times before and he's let me know that he's praying uh, to a particular saint for me. And that really was, you know, helpful and uplifting to me to know that my husband was caring for me in that spiritual way. So do the same for your husband. If he's going through a tough time, pick a saint maybe that he has a particular um, attraction to or devotion to, or um, St. Joseph is, of course, the perfect one to pray for, for husbands and fathers and whatever they're going through related to their work or providing for their family. Um, And there's a million, you know, different devotions to St. Joseph that you might do. But even just the idea of offering up, um, you might pick some something to fast from in the coming week and maybe don't even tell him about this because then it becomes sort of bragging or, you know, something. But do that thing for him. Give up that thing for him or do that extra thing for him. Um, whatever it is that you might be able to add to your day or something that you or some, you know, small comfort that you might be able to skip for his benefit. Um, I found that the times in my life where I do this, especially if we're together going through a hard time and I want to support him and it's hard for me <laughs> because I'm feeling like I want support too. Um, focusing on these spiritual ways that we can support one another is really very powerful and doing it, um, you know, in a way that you, you're not, you're not necessarily sharing all the details with him, but just privately it's between you and God. And I think that's really powerful because it, emphasizes for you the idea that, you know, we find our worth um, and we find our, our, our self, our identity in our relationship with, with God, with our creator. And here on earth in our, in our marriages, sometimes we're tempted to replace our spouse Um, or replace God with our spouse, or, you know, at least in the way we approach it, like, we need to find our happiness in our spouse, we need to find our, our satisfaction and all the meaning of our life in our spouse. And that's not true, first of all. And it's a lot of pressure to put on your spouse to be that God for you, that only Jesus is your savior, right? So, I find that focusing on spiritually supporting my husband in those times is really helpful because sometimes when you're going through a tough time together, there's some part of you that's feeling like 
you want your your husband to be supporting you. You want your husband to be taking care of you. And he's either hurting or stressed or, you know, going through whatever trial he's going through too much to be able to do that right now. And so focusing spiritually on how you can pray for him um, and how you can pray for your relationships, pray for your marriage, pray for your communications, pray for even just the practical aspects of what you're going through, I think really helps to refocus your attention on the fact that, Yes, my husband is not my savior. He's somebody that I love and the person I'm closest to here on earth. But he's not my God and he's not the person who's going to make me happy. He's not where I will find all the meaning in my life. That's in my relationship with God. So pray for him. Find some way to offer something up for him. Even if it's just off, you know, adding him to your morning offering, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you know, add him to that in in the morning just some small thought and then your whole day will be offered up on for his intention so um simple way but something we don't always think about because we have our regular prayer routines but we don't necessarily think about adding something extra for our husband when he's going through a tough time all right the next way i want to mention is to serve him now this is kind of related to the the food one right providing comfort but there are other ways to provide that kind of comfort for our husbands um you know something that might make him feel cared for notice something that he particularly likes whether it's a magazine he likes to read pick him up a copy or if you know there's a, a certain area of the house where he likes to relax make sure that that area is cleaned up and pleasant and inviting for him um or think about those things that drive him crazy. Um, with my husband, it's socks. Like, I cannot buy enough socks. I don't know where they go, what happens. Well, I do know where they go. I think they're in the boys' room. Because <laughs> every once in a while, they'll clean out the boys' room, and I've got 5,000 pairs of socks in the in the laundry. But outside of that, um, my husband, he just... He's, he can never find a pair of socks, you know, in the morning when he's leaving for work and he's trying to get ready. It's a huge source of frustration for him that I try to attend to on a regular basis by, you know, um, finding his socks and making sure they're clean and they're ready for him. But I don't always succeed at doing that. But little things like that that tend to drive your man crazy, you know, you know what they are because you live with him and you, you've seen the stuff that drives him nuts. Then find a way to kind of provide, you know, a little bit of comfort in that area for him Go going out of your way. And honestly, it's not even just about the thing being done. And, you know, of course, that's helpful and it can help him to relax and whatever. But it's the idea that you noticed and you cared. Um, you know, I, th that's so meaningful and so valuable. I keep encouraging you to think about times when you feel cared, when you felt, field, when you felt cared for in that way. Um, and I promise you it's because somebody noticed some small thing that drives you nuts or, or that you were struggling with and attended to it for you, met that need for you. So you have a great opportunity if your husband's going through a tough time to be that source, that gift, that grace to him wonderful opportunity to do that and be that for your spouse, which is what we're called to be in marriage. We're called to be helpers of one another on our way toward heaven. And some of us have this mental block about serving our husband. Like, you know, I'm not saying you have to like put on some French maid uniform or something, <laughs> but what on earth is marriage if not we're, we're we're called to serve one another inside of marriage? Like, I, I guess it's like some, you know, feminist thing that's inside of us because I know even I've experienced it where it's like oh I'm not going to serve him you know we reject that idea but that's what we're called to do in marriage you know sorry this is what you signed up for serving this other human being for the rest of your life and he's signed up to serve you yes it's mutual um but 
why why do we reject that notion you know like it's beneath us and i really think that's the powerful and sometimes very attractive voice of satan telling us you know you're 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 above that and you shouldn't have to serve him. Um, but I find that there are some of the, the greatest moments inside of our marriage are when we serve one another in those small ways and such grace comes from that. So I want to encourage you to think about a way to do that, especially if your husband's going through a tough time. All right. The last one I want to mention, and if any of my kids are listening, just turn it off now. Trust me. You're not going to want to hear this one. Okay. Okay. They're gone. Okay. <laughs> The last one I want to mention is sex. Have sex, touch him, you know. Um, This is a huge thing. And I think we ladies, especially when times are stressed, especially when there's a lot going on and we're very busy and distracted with a lot of things, tend to negate the value of a sexual relationship with our husbands. It ends up being the last thing on the list can't afford to do that, especially during a time if your husband's struggling. And you know what? It doesn't even have to mean like you're having sex every night. I just mean make an effort in that department. Okay. And it might be that, you know, there are certainly times when um, a, a man is really stressed about something, really anxious about something, and he actually doesn't he doesn't want to have sex. Like that's not, you know, his priority at that point. But that that doesn't mean that this doesn't apply. You know, um, it, it, the way in which we women relate to our husbands is really either very empowering to him, very building up, or it's very discouraging and emasculating, um, especially with regard to his sexuality. If you can make him feel like you are attracted to him, like he's attractive and you value him as a man in your life, not just the father of your kids or the provider of a paycheck, that you value him as a man, that you as a woman are attracted to him. That is so empowering to him. And you're the only person who can do that for him legitimately, right? So you're the only person who can provide that kind of encouragement for him. And it's such an integral, huge part of how he identifies and how he finds confidence in himself. um, Because If you're initiating sex with him or if you're being flirtatious with him in a way that builds him up um, in as, you know, as a, as a man, and especially if he's going through something at work where he's feeling his masculinity challenged or his, his self-confidence is really going down the tubes. This is a wonderful way that you can build him up and make him feel like he's the king of your world. He's your number one man. You, you, you love him and you're attracted to him and, um, you know, physically and emotionally dependent upon him, that that is really empowering to um, the male psyche. And if you don't believe me, just try it, just experiment with it. And um, I don't mean anything in particular other than making some extra effort in that department. Uh, it might mean actually having sex more often, um, more times in the week or whatever it is that, you know, you can manage or um, I don't know where you are in your NFP charts, but what it, what is doable for you right now? Or it just might mean touching him, you know, hugging him, kissing him, telling him he looks handsome, being a little bit flirtatious. It's really a huge ego boost for your man when you do that. And I can't emphasize enough, how powerful it is, and the fact that you're the only person that can do that for him. 
You're the only source of that kind of encouragement for him. So don't neglect it. And I understand the temptation too, because especially if your husband's going through a tough time, probably you are too, you know, to some degree stressed and tired and feeling distracted and busy. So it does take effort, but it's a huge payoff. It's, it's really, it's really important to do. It's really important to at least make an effort in that department. Um, whatever that means for your particular relationship, your situation right now. So that's it. Those are my five different ideas to hear him, to feed him, to pray for him, to serve him, and to touch him in whatever way is appropriate right now. <laughs> okay, well, maybe you have some ideas that you want to share about how to support your husband in tough times or some stories to share about ways in which your your husband and you have gotten through tough times in your marriage. I think that would be really encouraging for us to share about here at Girlfriends. So send them to me. Talk to me. Give me some feedback. Let me know what thoughts you have about what we've shared here today. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. You can connect with me on Voxer. The link is always in the show notes or on social media or go to daniellebean.com and click that little tab in the right hand corner that says send voicemail. Thanks so much. I love hearing from you. Okay, speaking of feedback, I got a lot of feedback about hormones. Oh, lo and behold, this is something that we all deal with. (laughs) Yeah, sadly. Um, I already told you I'm feeling a little more balanced. I'm doing okay. Um, But I did hear from a lot of you, and in particular, Eleanor sent me a sweet email with a lot of different suggestions. I'm just going to read through here um, from Eleanor. Hi, Danielle. Love listening to your podcast and just listened to the first 15 minutes of your most recent podcast. I just wanted to share with you that I also struggled with hormones, extreme nausea, vomiting in pregnancy, horrible cramps, PMS, grumpiness, exhaustion, etc. But I also wanted to make a suggestion of what really helped me. I'm still on the road to recovery, but I think hormonal balance is a possible goal for all women. I share that. That's true, Eleanor. And I think we don't hear that enough from our own doctors, unfortunately. Okay, so she says, I've researched and received natural-based help for my liver that couldn't process excess hormones. My sister had similar issues and resolved them with a diet and gentle liver cleanses. That sounds like something you'd want to involve your doctor with. All right, she added, um, drinking lemon water, completing several uh, gentle detoxes, of course, not while pregnant or breastfeeding, adding more fibrous foods to flush out excess estrogen, estrogen, more roasted veggies, kale, and other leafy greens for magnesium or a magnesium supplement, dandy blend dandelion tea, exercise, lots of water, parsley, and cilantro to food and coconut oil uh, to blended coffee, and then decreased all canola processed oil, sugar, cut down on caffeine as much as possible. These are things we've all heard a million times, right? Um, And uh, she says also dairy, which has natural hormones in it. Yes, that's true. And wheat, to which she's allergic. She says, I hope some of this was helpful. You're such a joy to so many people. And it's unfortunate to hear your own joy is diminished right now by hormones. God bless Eleanor. Thank you so much, Eleanor. And a lot of those suggestions are things I think that are just... um, a natural part of how we should be caring for our bodies. Um, I haven't tried like dandelion tea or anything like that, but you're mentioning exercise, lots of water, perhaps a magnesium supplement. Um, I've been using one for uh, almost six months now. Uh, It was recommended to me as a a sleep aid because I was getting in the habit of taking Benadryl when I anticipated I was going to have trouble sleeping. And I hated that. I didn't like doing that. Even though my doctor said it was fine, I didn't care for it. Um, And I got a magnesium spray because I guess oral supplements are hard for your body to absorb and just 
absorbing it through your skin is a helpful way. So I have a magnesium spray that I, I put on before bed. And I don't know, maybe it's even just psychological. I like doing it. <laughs> and uh, if Dan makes fun of me. I don't care. <laughs> and, um, you know, I've had one bottle, I'd said like six months now, and it, it was a little pricey. I think it was like $35 or something, uh, but it's lasted me this long. So if anyone's interested, let me know and I'll, I'll share the link with you for the one that I bought. Although there, there are plenty available out there if you just do some research. But also, you know, avoiding um, canola oils and processed oils and sugar and cutting down on caffeine. Yep, 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 yep. Um, I've been focused on doing those things in the past week. Um, I, I had gotten in a bad habit uh eating pretty poorly, drinking a lot of caffeine this summer. Um, and so that that might have contributed to my woes of last week. And, you know, there are just all these, these ways that we can take better care of ourselves. And psychologically, even if it's not helping your hormone levels and you still need to make a trip to the doctor perhaps to balance yourself out, um, it's, it's psychologically helpful and healthful to know that you're caring for yourself, that you're doing some basic things to take care of your body. So really appreciate that and appreciate the encouragement about the podcast, Eleanor. Thank you so much for sharing that. And then uh, I heard from some people about groceries. I talked about trying to stick to a grocery budget, trying to reduce the amount that we spend on groceries. And one interesting thing I wanted to share was from Marisa, who happens to be the producer of this podcast. She works at Ascension Press and works with me on um, helping me to produce the podcast each week. And Marisa sent the idea. She said, an idea to toss into the grocery budget idea box for your listeners. Don't plan meals and then shop. Buy stuff that's on sale and then plan meals. Use Google to come up with ideas for ways to use those ingredients by typing different combinations of those on sale items into Google. And then she says this does work better for seasoned cooks who are okay with being a little creative in the kitchen. I think that's a great idea. And I've definitely done that. And you're right, Marisa. I think it does take... um, a, a little bit more of a seasoned, confident cook to be able to do these things. And I found it's taken me like 23 years of marriage to feel comfortable experimenting a little bit, you know, in the kitchen. Um, and it doesn't always work out, but a lot of times it does. And um, I find it's very interesting. And it's it's funny because I got to a point where I was experimenting enough with recipes that one time I made something that my husband really liked. And he said, oh, I, this is really good. Any chance you could even make it again? <laughs> like, he knew I hadn't followed a recipe and probably hadn't written any of it down. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one of the risks, that you'll make something good and not know how to recreate it. Um, but a great idea to stock up on stuff that go to the store and buy whatever is on sale. Um, and we're going to hear from listener Sam in a moment who, who suggests something very similar. But go to the store, buy what's on sale, and um, then then make what you can with what you have. That's sort of what I've been doing. I told you I was kind of shopping in my freezer and in my pantry. I was doing that. Like, here's what I have. I have, you know, I have ribs or I have two pounds of ground beef or I have a whole chicken. Like, how do I use this plus whatever I have in my pantry of dry goods and create something? Um, But there's a lot and you can really learn a lot about uh, frugality and creativity in the kitchen um, and maybe share some of that, those lessons with your family as well as you're going through the process. So I love that idea. And um, as promised, I did hear from Sam Fatzinger, who, of course, is the guru of all things with regard to grocery budgets. She had a few different thoughts to share this week, um, first on another topic and then on groceries. So here, let's take a listen to what Sam has to say. Hey, Danielle, it's Sam Fatzinger, and I'm calling to congratulate you on 80 hours of 
Girlfriends, I can't believe I've listened to you for over 80 hours this year. It's been great. Thank you so much. I'm sorry you're going through the hormone thing. I am totally with you. I've been breaking out the past six months like I'm a teenager. So all those lovely hormones. I loved all the different topics you talked about, uh, especially having a support group of women. I know that your wonderful Bible studies are great for support for other people. We have this little text group that kind of all gets together and texts for prayers or texts for inspirational stories. Of course, I'm always sending them your podcast to listen to. And about once a month, we get to lunch. It's just such a great support network. Also, totally agree with you working out in the mornings. It makes you feel so much better and to get out of the way. There have been times in my life I had to do it with kids or bring my phone and work out at a park on my phone or on my laptop or at the pool. Just getting in 20 minutes a day has really helped me have some peace of mind. And of course, I will talk so much about groceries and saving money. Before we move on to the groceries, I just want to thank you for that, Sam, um, sharing about women's groups and the value and importance of that. I've been continuing to meet with the Momnipotent Study Group online once a week on Wednesday evenings, and it's really been a blessing to me. We really had a great session last week where we were sharing about some of our struggles um, and in a humorous way. Sometimes I think it's really helpful to get together and share honestly and then just laugh at the ridiculousness of the kinds of things that we face on a day-to-day basis or the ways that we handle it, the ways our families handle it. Um, Really empowering and helpful. And you're right, texting can be a great way if you have a text group. And I love that you mentioned that you do get together for lunch so that you are actually meeting up in real life because I think that's so important um, on a regular basis. Okay, and before we get to Sam's grocery comments, um, which are a little longer than this message because Sam has so much wisdom to share. Like if you haven't already, go back and listen. I wish I knew the episode number. Anyway, I can put a link in the show notes to Sam's, um, the the podcast where I interviewed Sam about big family finances because it was great. And she's, you know, the a mom of this large family who's managed to do it um, on, a, you know, without going into debt. And hugely important part of that is how she's fed her family cheaply um all these all these years so um definitely i'll put that link in the show notes but before that sam's comment about exercising and fitting it in while you're with your kids um made me remember one more piece of feedback that i wanted to share with you unfortunately i've lost it somewhere in my inbox so i can't give this person credit and i can't remember your name i'm so sorry um but this person had this wonderful, this mom had this wonderful kind of insight to share um, with what we talked about last week with fitting in exercise and um, talking about doing it early in the morning or just moving more throughout your day. And she said she came to peace with the fact that she was going to have to work out with her kids years ago because she got tired of fighting it. And it's worked out great for her. Like, you know, just doing an exercise video or um, doing, you know, different movement exercises at the park or in the living room or going up and down the stairs or whatever. I'm just fitting it into your day and saying, like, I set aside this time for exercise. Well, all these kids are with me, then they're going to be with me. Rather than trying to carve out time by yourself to focus on the exercise. I thought that was such great advice because sometimes we become our own worst enemy with regard to fitting an exercise if we make it this like holy 
hour where we need to have, you know, no distractions and nobody with us and we can be by ourselves and just completely focused on this activity. Great if you can do that. And yes, some of us actually, you know, maybe wouldn't exercise if, if it didn't work that way, that uh, we prefer it that way. Um, and it, and that's fine. But if you're really struggling with making time in your day and feeling like it's a huge stressor to make time in your day to exercise when you're not responsible for your kids or you don't have any little kids around, then um, just do what this mom did and incorporate the kids in your working out. And whether you're just, you know, having a dance party or you're doing a DVD or a YouTube video or, you know, going for a walk or whatever. And I think that's really helpful because it really is about kind of flipping your mindset about exercise and um, like, you know, rather than fighting this epic battle and trying to find, you know, an uninterrupted hours worth of time, then just make it work for your situation right now. And I think there's so much relief in doing that. I've done that in various degrees with my own kids and my own working out over the years. And it's just a relief, like let go of that idea that in and stop fighting, you know, it's such a struggle sometimes, like leave me alone. I'm trying to do this exercise. Um, I know I've done that before, like, you know, go behind a locked door and they're banging on it or get up early in the morning and they get up anyway. And all those frustrations, you can eliminate them if you just get rid of the idea that you have to be completely alone without kids around in order to do it the right way you know yeah you're probably going to have to make some compromises in you know the perfection of your workout routine or or whatever um but that's part of the deal and doing something is better than doing nothing which is so often out of frustration what we'll choose because it can't be perfect so I can't do anything at all so I thought that was really encouraging advice all right now on to Sam's grocery comments which are hugely valuable here we go Hi Danielle, this is Sam Fetzinger calling about suggestions for grocery shopping. I loved everything that people said on your Facebook page. Uh, my only advice is how we do it and that is to buy what's on sale and then you cook what that is. So if a chicken's on sale, you eat chicken. If bananas are on sale, you eat bananas. If the kids want strawberries but they're not on sale but peaches are, we eat peaches. So they learn how to balance that out. Also, find out if any bakeries, food pantries, or grocery stores throw out day-old bread, offer to pick it up, offer to bring it to a food, food pantry or places that need it, and then you can always reap from some of that. Other ways is when we have easy, easy, simple meals that just consist of uh, simplicity. Uh, meat, every night it's usually rice, pasta, or potatoes, and then bread if you have it, and then a salad or vegetables or carrots again whatever's on sale that week I'm so sorry you don't have an Aldi because that saves us at least $200 a month in groceries then the other thing is just to know your store know your grocer know the butcher find out where they put clearance items find out what tags look like that are clearance or specialties and then look for those or even ask the register at the register you know what's on sale or where's a good quick sale my mom always taught me to become friends with the butcher, and you just have to ask. I always ask what day they mark down or what time they mark down the food, and then at our particular grocery store, one, about 8.15 in the morning, the butcher goes through and marks down everything that's going to expire the next day. So I buy it that day. It's usually 33% off. I either buy it that day or I buy it, cook it, or I freeze it. 
And then another grocery store in our town marks down all the meat at 9.30 in the morning and at 3.30 in the morning. So when I'm in this area, I go by. Some days it's feast and famine. Some days I'll have a grocery cart full of meat. Other days I won't find anything in our price range. So yes, I am the person who buys 40 pounds of chicken breasts if they're about $1.49 a pound. So I, I'm blessed that I have a freezer that can handle that. Other ways are just to... Um, do a fast, like fast on paper towels for a month or, you know, only eat out of your freezer or eat out of the pantry. We did that for Lent and it really saved us a lot of money and it taught the kids that, you know, you can survive without creamer or you can survive without butter or, hey, we don't have um, brown sugar, but let's figure out how to make it because we have lots of powdered sugar. We have lots of regular sugar and we have molasses in the pantry. So it teaches the kids that it, you know, it's not whatever they want and they don't really need things. It's a good lesson. We also only pretty much drink water and milk. So that's easy. Sometimes we'll buy powdered iced tea or powdered lemonade when we're having parties or for the big kids to have when they come home from work. But I think you're on the right track. Just find little things to help your budget and stick with it. And it will be a blessing to your family. Thanks so much for everything. God bless. Bye. Thank you so much for that, Sam. Huge source, a wealth of information from a mom who lives it, you know. Sometimes the magazine articles about how to cut your grocery budget drive me nuts because, you know, the things they suggest aren't even remotely <laughs> remotely something that I can accomplish. Or they're, they're so out there, they're telling you to cut things out of your grocery budget, which I never in a million years would spend money on anyway or whatever. So um, I find that Sam's practical advice is so helpful. And, you know, it kind of mirrors what Marisa was saying, like buy what's on sale and then figure out how to make what, you know, you need to feed your family with those ingredients. Really, really helpful to do that. Um, and Google is such a great resource. There are so many. If you just start Googling and I, I've done it because I told you I've been working on our grocery budget the past couple of weeks. Just Google like cheap, easy meals, budget friendly dinners. Um, there's a ton of stuff out there, some of which, you know, my family would never in a million years eat. But uh, some of it's very helpful and can inspire you toward making something that you normally wouldn't consider making for dinner or um, packing for lunches or whatnot. So very helpful. The one thing that I want to add that's been working for me is only going to the grocery store once per week. Now, many of you already do this. Some of you just shop twice a month. I'm in awe. Okay. This is hard for me. I just... I have found that, you know, during this past school year, for example, I would go to the grocery store at least twice a week, sometimes three times a week. I would try to plan like three or four meals at a time, but inevitably I would end up back at the grocery store because we forgot this or, you know, we need this one thing for school or whatever it is. But I've really, over the past month or so, been trying to stick to the idea of going one big trip per week. And then if we absolutely have to go, you know, pick up something during the week because of something else, fine, but only getting that one thing. Because what happens is when you kind of let your guard down and you're casual about going to the grocery store any number of times, and it's easy for me to do. That's the other problem. It's totally easy because it's right in town where I'm driving by like 5,000 times a day, taking kids to various things. And during the school year, forget about it. It's right by the school. So I'm always driving there. Totally easy to stop in. Um, but as you know, and as I know, it's all too easy when you're making multiple trips to the grocery store that other stuff ends up in your cart, stuff that you happen to see, impulse purchases. Um, some of us can be really good about sticking to what's on our list and nothing else. I've been trying to do that if I have to make an extra trip. Um, but 
it's hard. And the more often you do it, the more likely you are to just fill up your cart, even with stuff that you probably need, but maybe doesn't fit in your budget this week and you could live without it. Um, anyway, I've been experimenting with that. If you have other ideas to share, I'd love to hear from you. Email me, danielle at daniellebean.com or connect with me on Boxer, which is how this next listener connected with me. Kristen connected me with me on Voxer, and so did Sam in a Voxer account I wasn't aware I had. I don't know. Apparently, there's a Voxer account associated with my Facebook, my personal Facebook profile. And then I had one that was with my email, which is the one that I share in the show notes every week. Um, So when Sam told me she had sent me uh, a Vox and I didn't have it, I was confused. But then when she showed me a screenshot, I was like, oh, that's my Facebook profile picture. Let me look that up. And sure enough, I had another account. So Kristen's was from a little ways back. I hadn't gotten it yet. Um, But Kristen wanted to share a little bit about female friendships. Here we go. Hi, Danielle. This is Kristen. Um, I was just dropping in to let you know um, how much I've been enjoying the Girlfriends podcast and um, especially your discussion with Elizabeth Foss and then your discussion this week about the words um, that we should all say. Um, I did just want to add one little thing to that. One of your words was hello, and I am critically introverted. <laughs> um <laughs> To the point, you know, that I actually have social anxiety disorder. And one of the things that I've sadly experienced, and even at even within like church groups, is putting myself out there, going up and saying hello to a group of people, and then basically dismissing or ignoring me because they want to stay with their little clique, their little group. And so it's really discouraging when that happens to us. And my husband is actually really great at doing something when someone he doesn't know comes up to him is just making sure to engage them and, you know, not dismissing them right away, um, but including them in whatever conversation, even if he doesn't know them. And um, I just think that's some a really important thing to remind people of is that when someone else is putting themselves out there, um, that it's a wonderful thing. It's actually a ministry in a way to welcome that person in and to give that person um, basically the attention that they deserve, the time that they deserve. And, you know, maybe you won't end up being friends forever. That's okay. But um, in this way, you will be able um, to just help somebody who has put themselves out there. Um, Great podcast. Really enjoy listening to, uh, excuse me, listening to it. All right. Have a great week. Bye. Thank you, Kristen, for sharing those thoughts. And I'm sorry that you've experienced that. But I think it's an important point that you raise, that somebody is really putting themselves out there. And it really, for some people more so than others, it makes you very vulnerable um, to being hurt, putting yourself out there and walking up and, and trying to initiate a conversation with somebody you don't know. For some people, that's really paralyzing and terrifying. And they do the brave thing and they do that and then sometimes are met with some form of rejection or dismissal. And that is so sad and that has no place in our communities, but I know it does exist. I've experienced it myself, that idea of there's it almost like I remember um, this actually was something that happened not too long ago where um, I felt like I was back in middle school with regard to the, the women that were connecting and didn't really need another person there talking to them. And 
Oh my gosh, it just brings you back to all those insecurities and vulnerabilities that we experience in our adolescence, especially. Um, and, and for some women, it continues to be a struggle and a trial. And even if it's not something that you particularly struggle with, that's a terrible feeling to feel like there's there's this click and you're not welcome to be a part of it. So I think that's a really important point to raise, Kristen. And we can't help it if other people do it, of course, but we can help if we're participating in it. We can examine our own motivations in social situations and our own actions and our own spirit of welcoming and hospitality to others inside even if you're you know with your girls with your group and you don't get much of a chance to connect making sure that you're open to others that's really it's it's an an essential part of our Christian calling and like Kristen said maybe you're not going to be BFFs you know forever but that's fine. That's not what this is about. You know, this is about creating community and being welcoming to other people inside of that uh, communal space. So very good point, Kristen, and um, one that we should all take into consideration. Okay, before we have to go here, I want to be sure to thank those of you who support this podcast through Patreon at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. It's a simple system that allows you to pledge as little as a dollar per episode, which really so many of us can afford to do, and yet it means so much. It's a very powerful message that you give to me, a very powerful source of encouragement to continue to produce the show week after week. And one benefit of being a Patreon supporter in any amount is that you get an invitation to participate in our monthly video chats that I call Girlfriends Live, and I'd love for you to be a part of that. So to check that out and get all the information and make that important pledge that important important pledge of support for the girlfriends podcast you can go to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash girlfriends let me know that you appreciate what i'm doing here and this is a powerful and important way that you can do that also i want to thank ascension press for partnering with me to bring you this podcast you can check out all of their podcasts and videos and other media that will entertain and inspire and educate you in your catholic faith at ascensionpresents.com And finally, thank you for being here. Thank you for spending time with me. I know everybody's busy. We all have a million things going on, especially as we're trying to cram all these activities into the end of summer. And many things are vying for our time and attention. So it means so much to me that you entrust me with this hour week after week. Spend some of your time connecting with me here at Girlfriend. So thanks for being a part of what I do. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a DanielleBean.com production. Know your worth, find your joy.